All right, so today's lesson is going to focus generally on the context for all of this Shakespeare stuff. What's going on in culture and society? There was a back to this. And so if you didn't get to the back, at least flip it over now. And you can kind of peruse that while I go through uh, some other things real quick. I just want to update you on a few items from on campus. Obviously, assignments are all going to be there. The Zoom links are there. The uh, podcast links are there. Something that I decided to do is that all the PDFs and handouts that I give you during class, all right, I decided to drop under the Topics page. So if you go to Topics and you go to Twelfth Night, if you click right on the picture, it's going to just be a nice big list of all the handouts. There you go. So they're kind of in one spot. I thought topics would work smoothly for that. So you can see it right here, the Shakespeare Theater Packet, How to Watch and Read a Shakespeare Play, which is next week, Historical Context, Major Themes, and I'll just keep adding handouts. Questions? You okay? Cheers. All right, so then let me get you to this one. Right now, this is the handout that we're doing, okay, the Historical Context of a Shakespeare play. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, let's take a few minutes to talk about Shakespeare, to talk about the context of Elizabethan England. If you're a history buff, you should know some of this stuff. If you've paid attention for the past whatever years, you know, Middle Ages with knights and ladies and all that kind of stuff, and castles. And now we're looking at Renaissance, this kind of awakening, this global awakening in some respects. Um, when it comes to Shakespeare, well, we're going to get maybe six things that we know historically on Shakespeare. <laughs> the dude died. We know when that was. He was born. We kind of can guess because of the christening that was written down at the church. Um, I think we know that he was married to Anne Hathaway. Yes, the actress is named after her, so that's kind of cool, and she's a great actress. Um, yes, they, he had children, so Susanna and the twins. So Shakespeare had twins. I have twins. Twelfth Night has twins. That's kind of fun, right? Yes, one of his twins died at the age of 11, which is super sad, right? I can't even imagine that. I mean, I can imagine it, but I can't imagine it. Um, we know that his dad made gloves. Who likes gloves, right? We like gloves. Someone has to make them. Yeah, so this guy makes gloves. He probably hand sewed them, right? Which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, very likely. So he made gloves. And we kind of know that Shakespeare was rich while he was alive. So he bought this massive mansion, right? Um, which, why not? You know, you're a famous playwright. Got a lot of money from theater. Buys a big mansion. Outside of that, we don't know. Did anybody notice that I didn't mention that we know he wrote the plays? Because <laughs> do we? Not really. We don't know that he wrote the plays. Like I said earlier, you talk to anybody who's in theater, they get it. They get why it's all attributed to him, and it could be one person. Because can we have people with that type of genius? Yeah, we still do. Many of you are probably like that, which is great. Okay, so it's... It's okay to assume that now there's all these theories and they've made movies about the theories and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, whatever. Okay, you can run with that as far as you want. Here's for me the key. Do we have the plays? 
I don't kind of care. I don't really care who wrote them. <laughs> we have them, and they're awesome, and they shape culture and our lives. So there you go. Okay. What else did you guys find interesting or unique as you read through this and hopefully highlighted a few things that's going on while Shakespeare's writing? Anybody? Wow, nothing. Okay, thank you. I'm like, come on, there's tons of stuff on here. What do you got? They're really, yeah, huge thing with royalty, which by the way, do we still follow the royals nowadays? Anyway, it's like so crazy, right? Crack me up 400 years ago. But yeah, Henry VIII, you know, Queen E. Woo, don't mess with Queen E. She's awesome, right? But then she dies in King James, which is the King James version of the Bible. So there's a lot going on. Yep, thank you for that. What else? There's a lot of discovery going on. Holy Oh my gosh, right? right? 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. That's 1492. It's exploding right now with our ability to build ships and make them faster, etc. Everybody think Pirates of the Caribbean? Yes, okay, like that is the kind of stuff that's going all over the place, right? And then you also, on top of that, they're discovering the new world, but really these are people who get on a boat and you're on that boat for three or four months and you don't even know necessarily what's on the other side. Like we're building the maps and stuff like that. Tons of shipwrecks, lots of pirates. Yeah, what else? Oh, this whole row. Let's just go down the row. That'll be great, yeah. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that the son's name is Hamnet. Hamnet, what the heck? Who names their kid Hamnet? <laughs> that poor guy in junior high. Oh, bummer. Yeah, you're right. Duh, that's a great point. See? There you go. There you go. Horrible. Did I just, oh my gosh. Anyways, nice point. Okay, I think this is something worth doing a timeout and then we'll go down the row. Check this out. Shakespeare is, you know, he's like 28 or whatever, 30, when he's really writing the sonnets. And then look at the comedies at the bottom of the front page. Love's labor's lost, comedy of errors, right? Two gentlemen of Verona. Like you get this whole thing here, Midsummer Night's Dream and Taming of the Shrew. And then all these histories, Titus Andronicus, woo, that's intense. But then you get Romeo and Juliet, boom. Major popular, okay? Especially Midsummer Night's Dream and Romeo and Juliet, early in his career, we love this guy, yes? Gets a coat of arms, that means he's wealthy enough to buy a name for himself. Okay, so he's establishing himself in culture. And then look, we get different types of comedies as he's getting older. Merchant of Venice, which is kind of funny, but I don't know. Much Ado About Nothing is amazing, but really complex. Oh, thanks. You ser look at it, serving the school. Come on. Mary Wives of Windsor is really unique as you like it because all the world's a stage. And then what? Twelfth Night, right? Then you get Henry V, which is what we're also studying this semester. And then you get a tragedy, Julius Caesar. Ready? Death of Son Hamnet. Look what's next. By the way, he's super famous, buys a huge mansion, opens a Globe Theater. 3,000 people can pack that thing out at one time. And look at this, so death of son Hamnet, 
a few years later, these comedies aren't funny. <laughs> like, you're not going to laugh at these. And then, look, Hamlet, Othello, King Lear, Macbeth, Antony and Cleopatra, Timon of Athens, and Coriolanus, which is a bloodbath. How's he doing? Yeah, that impacted him a lot. We don't have all this journal writing and stuff that says that, but can we see it? And then what's so intriguing to me is get down towards the end of his life and look at the, uh, the closing. Get Henry VIII, which he never really finished. But then you just get romances, four romances, Pericles, Simply, Winter's Tale, and Tempest. He's not writing comedies anymore and no tragedies. Because what he's done is he's created a new genre. Because is life comedic? There's a wedding at the end, there's salvation, God loves us and redeems us, and it's one big romance story. That's right, it's one big romance story. Not necessarily just a comedy with everybody living happily ever after, because is that actually happening? No, is there tragic element in life? Yeah, people make mistakes, people reject, there's pain, there's suffering, but is that all that there is? No, there is the comedic side, but there also the tragic, oh, it's a what? It's a romance, right? And so romance has the comedic and the tragedy all woven together in it. Go Shakespeare, cool. He's a genius, go team. Now let's go back down our row. Other thoughts that you had, yeah, what did you find? Yeah, thanks for connecting those dots. Like, what's happening here, right? And you've got the Galileo and Newton and Michelangelo and, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are there and all those guys, right? So that's kind of fun. There's a lot going on globally. And by the way, most of these amazing influential people are straight up Christians and loving Jesus and God and they're just living their lives and they're working out of their giftedness in a culture that's supporting and allowing that, which is really cool. It'd be so great to get something like that back. In the back, what do you have? Uh, oh, I was gonna say, Galileo was born the same year. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Like, we start thinking about, it's not just a literary and a linguistic shift in culture. We've got the science, we've got all this stuff. That's why the Renaissance is such a big deal. What do you got? Oh, I was just gonna ask, have you read every Shakespeare book? I have not. I have not. I've read, I've probably read, there's what, 27 of them or whatever like that. I think I've read 18 or 19 of them. I've studied, like studied probably about, you know, 12, 13 of them. Which one's your favorite? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, when people just straight up ask me that, my initial response is The Tempest. I love that play. It's his last one. And it's, it's totally original. There's nothing else like it. And he didn't like copy somebody else. Like, you know, like Lion King's based off of Hamlet, which is fine. But Hamlet's actually based off of another story, right? So it's kind of all rewritten. He just made it up. It's got a wizard like Gandalf in it. Super cool. Super cool. But I love Hamlet. But really, I love The Midsummer Night's Dream. And actually, I really, really like As You Like It. And right, I mean, there's <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thought. Which one is your least favorite? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I honestly, the language of Mary Wives of Windsor is really fun, 
but the story's kind of lame. <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. I, nice. Cheap. All right. Other thought, yeah. Oh, it's not really a thought. But oh. It's Tommy's birthday today. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, let's go. All right, now we don't sing in my class. Did we already do huzzah? We did huzzah. So are we ready? Three cheers for Tommy. Hip, hip. Huzzah. Hip, hip. Huzzah. Hip, hip. Huzzah. All right, that was good. That was strong. We're getting good at this. Cheers. Yeah. All right. Well, other thoughts? Oh, question? Yeah. What genre? Like comedy, tragedy, romance. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, know I like the romance concept. I like the Tempest, right? I like how he's blending it all in, yeah. right? Because there you go. Yeah. What's your least favorite genre? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Give us a top 27. <laughs> 27 That's tricky because in all of the genres, there's remarkable stories. Can't decide. Can't decide. Okay, we're going to keep cruising here now. I think it's important that coffee shops were invented around here. I mean, pubs have been around forever, which pubs are awesome too, public house. But pencils, which is unique, right? We use a lot of those a lot these days. Um, I think there's some other fun things that we could dig into here. But first off, did anybody catch the King James Version of the Bible? 1611. So that's going on at this time period as well. Um, 1623 is when we get the first folio. Just a quick little tip here on just Elizabethan England. There was piracy back then. People stealing ideas and stealing plays and copyright things. They didn't have copyright laws, right? And so what Shakespeare would do is he would write up, here's your lines, here's your lines, and here's your lines and your lines, and then you would memorize your lines, and then you would hide your lines or get rid of them, right? because someone else could steal your play and then put it on and they make money from it and call it theirs. And so after he died, they're like, um, these are awesome. <laughs> we need to make them into a book. So they would gather them all up and tie them together called the first folio. All right, so that's where we get the first folio texts of all these things. They were put on so many different times and over so many different years that we have a first folio and a second folio and they're different and that's okay because you could do things and every time we do a a play at Wheaton Academy, it's not the exact same as the one before, even though it really was Beauty and the Beast. This Beauty and the Beast was different than the one we did eight years ago. Does that make sense? So that kind of stuff happens. Yeah? How did uh, Shakespeare die at 52? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I know. Someone could, someone could Google it if you wanted to. He was old. He was old, yeah. Life expectancy, I think, was 33 years old during the late Middle Ages, late Middle Ages. Now, we're looking at Renaissance here, so it started to change with medicine. You guys gotta consider, I read some stats when I was studying all this stuff. It was a while back, so I should probably dig into it again. But what I'm remembering is that every 10th childbirth, a, a mom would die. Think of that just in the room. That'd be two dead moms for our room. Out of 10 children, two to three would die before the age of five, and then another two or three by the age of 10. Why? Well, if you got an infection, there's no antibiotics. The, there's plague back then with no vaccines. Are we tracking? Right? So like it was, they had open sewers 
in most of the towns and cities, so the people were getting sick, right? They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't, like, are we tracking? Like, it was a very, very different way to live back then. Not only that, we are all concerned on some level, and for good reason, about gun laws and gun safety and stuff like that. Everybody had a sword on their body to protect and defend themselves in case they were going to get killed that day when they left for work. <laughs> you know, like, and there were pirates and thieves hiding in the woods and on the oceans and all that kind of like, so, so different yet also so what? It's the same, it's always been like that. It's just, we live in the suburbs, you know, like, <laughs> right? Yeah. How come he wasn't buried at Westminster Abbey? Ah, you should Google that, it's a great question. I, there, there, was a, there is a reason, I don't remember off the top of my head, yeah. Great point, good question. Go team? We good? Catching a few things here? All right. Um, we just keep talking and talking and talking. I say we jump into the movie. I got a movie for it. It's yeah. fun Friday. We got to watch the movie. Let's do it. All right. Now, the movie we are going to watch is called Shakespeare in Love. Okay. All right, let me get to see if I can set it up correctly. Now, as we get ready for this movie, and I will play it up on screen, I'm starting it, as you notice, at minute 42. Now, I need everybody's attention, and since we're all here, this will be really good, and it'll set us up for the rest of the semester. If I slid this back to minute 41, there would be a naked person on the screen, <laughs> okay? Oh. Right, and if I slid it back 10 more minutes, there'd be a sex scene, and then 20 more minutes, there'd be boobs and buns and naked bodies on the screen, right? Like, whoa. And so I'm telling you this to first off get your attention before you go home and watch, oh, mom, dad, I wanna watch Shakespeare in Love this weekend. Ah, you know, like, what's going on? Right, it's rated R for good reason. Um, at the same time, it won, it won Academy Award for Best Picture. Like a Shakespeare movie got Best Picture and it won six other Academy Awards because it's so well written and it's so well done and it's so well researched and it's brilliant and it's layered and it's fun and funny and crazy. I, I need, but I do need your attention here. This is gonna imply a lot of other things. Like I said earlier, you teach Shakespeare at that school? How can you teach Shakespeare at a Christian school? Yeah, because most of the plays have sex scenes or drug stuff or stabbing and violence and blood and suicide and murders and because that stuff's all in Shakespeare plays, let alone all the language. Just wait till we get to Henry V. <laughs> we have a whole 90 minutes on language lessons and vocabulary. Maybe you've heard about that lesson. Right, but we like, how can I teach that here? Well, guess what? Are there perverts at Wheaton Academy? Yep. Are there perverts in our world? Yep. So are there perverts in a Shakespeare play? Yep, because he takes the world and puts it where? On stage. Are there drunken parties at Wheaton Academy? Yes, by the way. <laughs> right? I went here. I've been here for the past 20 years. So yeah, there's drunken parties at Wheaton Academy, there's drunken parties in our world, there's drunken parties in colleges, there's drunken parties in Twelfth Night. Got it? Do people swear? 
even here. <laughs> like, yeah, so there's swear words in our world, and there's swear words at this school, and where, like, right? Does that make sense? Like, Shakespeare puts life on stage. I actually think it's really important that we teach this stuff here so that we can watch and see and analyze and discuss. One of the things that I appreciate and respect about Shakespeare is the way that he handles all of that stuff. He handles it in a way that's healthy and redemptive and we can see natural consequences and learn and grow from it. So, yeah, we're going to study Macbeth at, you know, Wheaton Academy. Yeah, there's demonic oppression and witches in it and murder in it. Exactly. We need to study that stuff here. Got it? Yes? That does mean, everybody, right, that does mean don't just go Google Shakespeare stuff. Because you're going to get this wide spectrum of what you'll find. Don't just go grab a Shakespeare play. Most of them have very inappropriate material in the movie. Okay, so you got to navigate that carefully. The Twelfth Night version that I watch, I've shown to my kids. It's totally fine. It's PG. They did a great job with it. Most of them aren't that, though. So we've got to be very careful. Yes? Second, many of the you know, sneaky people in our world who want to make money and exploit teenagers for their money or just hurt you because they're jerks know that you're probably going to be studying Shakespeare at some point. And you're probably going to have to research Shakespeare to do a paper. So what will many people intentionally do with some of their websites? Target you while you're searching Shakespeare. Believe me, I know. I've been te doing this for 30 years, right? And it's getting worse and worse and worse. So that's another thing is when you research Shakespeare, please do it with a really, really good filter. I mean, even, for example, with Twelfth Night, we talk about the spectrum of love. And so it's got people who are single, people who want to be single, people who don't want to be single, people who are married, all different kinds of marriages, adultery type of stuff. And then it's also got gay and lesbian relationships and then all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through on the spectrum. I mean, that stuff doesn't just exist now. It's been around for how long? <laughs> yeah, so Shakespeare in Twelfth Night puts all that stuff on stage for us to discuss. You gotta be careful what you're researching and how you're researching. Agreed? That was my little five-minute spiel. Hopefully you paid attention so that you can protect yourself and your family this fall or however long you study Shakespeare. Back to this one. <laughs> this one's great. So now in this, it, they kind of set it up as a biopic. How much stuff do we know about Shakespeare? Six things. So you know what they did? Really good writers and researchers got together and like, we got to make a really cool play, movie, about Shakespeare. What could have inspired him? What was going on in the Renaissance? Like, I would love to show you the opening, tw opening 20 minutes of this. <laughs> I'd have to like cut, 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 cut. <laughs> but it's just so funky, a really good taste of Renaissance, Elizabethan English, England. So in here, what you're gonna find is Shakespeare is in love. Two people ask class, like, wait a second, I thought he was married. Well, yeah, probably is. Did anybody catch that on here? When did he get married? 18. He was 18. How old, guys, how old, anybody here 18? There we go. You can get married, all right? 17? Yeah. You got to think about this. He was 18 when he gets married, and he becomes a dad really quickly because she was already pregnant, right? 
hey, you can do whatever you want with that and piece that together. But then a lot of people, like you'd see in this movie, there's a subtlety saying, like, there's one line, aren't you married? And he's like, well, you know, and makes you wonder what he writes about in regards to the marriages in his play. Maybe his marriage wasn't going so well. Maybe it wasn't very healthy, right? How often did he see his kids? What did he navigate with that? Who were the sonnets to, et cetera, et cetera. In this movie, they have Shakespeare fall in love with Gwyneth Paltrow's character, okay? And uh, she's, you know, she loves theater. She wants to act on stage, but is she allowed to? No girls, no girls on stage. Did you notice that in here? What are the Puritans doing? Shutting down the theaters, right? And so in order for her to get on stage, she has to dress up as a guy, 12th night, right? She has to dress up as a guy and then go to the theater and try out for something, but then Shakespeare knows it's a girl and like, oh, you like theater, I like theater, I fall in love with you, you fall in love with me, but you're super rich and we can't get married, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, who's allowed to choose who they marry? Like literally, raise your hand if you're allowed to choose who you marry if you marry someday. Wait, you don't get to pick? You, do you not get to pick, Howard? Who's picking for you? Really? Your parents are picking? There you go. All right. Let's go old school. Hey, nice. Good choice, actually. <laughs> right. We all get to pick. Back then, did you get to pick? No. Oh, my goodness. No, especially if you were wealthy, mom and dad would pick. So Gwyneth Paltrow's character is getting, you know, she has to marry Chumpface <laughs> in the movie. He's, he's super rich. Think now you're looking at Romeo and Juliet, where Juliet is being forced to marry, you know, Paris, etc. So they're trying to say what could have inspired the plays. I like these last 40 minutes because it gives you a lot of Twelfth Night, and the last 10 minutes of the movie ushers in Twelfth Night, which is super cool. So that's why I want you to have your book. If you've got it, you can have it out. And we're just going to let it roll, okay? Is that enough? Do you have enough to let it roll? Let's let it roll. I do need to do one thing. Sorry, I have to get this back over here so I can see this. All right, ready, set, go. Put this in any liquid thing you will, and there's Chump Face. Do you see him? He's got the little red feather. So he's coming in and he's going to try and kill Shakespeare because he just found out that Shakespeare is smooching his fiance, so he's gonna do what? Kill him. Shakespeare thinks that Chumpface killed his best friend, which is Marlowe, who's a scholar and a writer and a poet, and he's mentoring Shakespeare, and he gets killed at a bar. So they're gonna fight it out. Are we ready for a good fight? There we go. Of silver sweet sound lovers' tongues by night, like Shakespeare. Whoa! Oh, stop. Now I'll show you your place, which is in <laughs> You're on my ground now! My God, my God! I
would have killed him. It's a fake sword, because they're in a theater. Ooh. By the way, that comes up in Hamlet later. Uh, he's a good actor. <laughs> His body. I rejoiced in his death because I thought it was yours. That is all I know of Marlowe. Well, uh, it's true. It was a tavern brawl. Marlowe attacked and got his own knife in the eye. Quarrel about the bill. The bill? Oh, vanity. Vanity. Not the billing, the bill. Hmm? The police. Close it. I thought, what? The rose harbors the arse that shits on my name. <laughs> Take it just... down stone by stone. I want to plow it into the ground and sown with quicklime. Did you just say that? Mr. <laughs> Lee, what is this? Sedition and indecency. Oh Master the Revel, sir. She's over here. Uh oh. Where? There. Girl. I saw bubbies. Oh. So. <laughs> A woman on the stage. A woman. I say this theatre is closed. Why, sir? For lewdness and unshaved facedness, and for displaying a female on the public stage. Is that a girl? <laughs> no, that's the sophomore boy who's playing Juliet named Sam. Oh, oh, oh. There's Gwyneth. She got caught. What are they gonna do? They're gonna shut it down. A quick timeout. Why? Why are they shutting down the theaters? Because girls on stage. I mean, I really like it when Belle in Beauty and the Beast is a girl, right? Like, it works so much better. Yes? Um, and I hope you do too. Like, I prefer Juliet to be a girl. But the Puritans, back in the day, were like, no, 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 if you put girls on stage, then men in the audience, they're going to lust. And that's just going to invoke sin. And you're like, come on, that's ridiculous. Actually, before we just bash the Puritans, how are we doing 400 years later with the porn industry? and all the sex scenes in the movies, right? I mean, now they're in the TV shows and even the commercials for crying out loud. Yeah? How is the entertainment industry doing and exploiting women and men for their bodies just to make money? They were actually onto something, weren't they? 
Like, right? But it's also similar. Do people abuse alcohol and get drunk and hurt people and themselves because of drunkenness? So here's how we'll deal with drunkenness. We'll prohibit alcohol in the entire country. That'll work. Will that work? No, right? Alcohol is good. Wine is good. Beer is good. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, right? That stuff's not bad. Jesus, like, made how many? 156 gallons of wine at that wedding. He's not anti-wine or anti-alcohol. He just doesn't want you to get drunk off of it. Having women on stage is good. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's, it's fantastic to have women play women, right? But exploiting that for money, exploiting sex for money, exploiting lust for money, not good. And because we could have lust and exploitation, let's just shut down the theaters. Well, will that work? No. Is everybody catching it now? So there's a huge tension here. And so you have someone like Gwyneth in this movie, right? Whatever, Lady Delessic or whatever her name is. She really wants to act. Ladies, anybody here want to act on stage? Like, want to be a part of it all, right? Yeah. But she has to hide herself to be able to do that. Keep going. Yeah. Go for it. That's who I meant. That's who I meant. Yeah, right. Oh, poor Gwyneth. It's a woman. Mm -hmm. It's a woman. Notice well being posted. No, I swear, I knew nothing of this. Nobody knew. He did. I saw him kissing her bubby. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> it is over. I'm so sorry, Mr. Henslow. He's the master of the revels. I wanted to be an actor. I'm so sorry, Will. Wonderful. I love him. He's got a stutter. Thank you. <laughs> Penny Affleck. Here's the owner of the theater. He's like, what's going on? <laughs> what just happened? Right. Yeah. What just happened? Oh, so here's the nurse, right? Think Romeo and Juliet, the nurse, helping out Gwyneth's character, Lady Delessic. Of course she's not eating because she's what? She's in love. With who? Shakespeare. And she's got the lines. Can you imagine having fresh lines of Romeo and Juliet? The, some of the first eyes to ever see it. She wants to be Juliet, right? Come on. They're at the pub. They just got shut down. I'll never forget last fall. When I said, you guys, now try to imagine, just try, try to imagine what it would be like if we shut down all the theaters in our country. 
Like I've been saying that for 20 years. And now it's like, they're all shut down. What the heck is going on? Anyways, right? Wild. You've been great. So would I. We both would. <laughs> this is the competition. Another theater troupe. Lambert, kill him. Kill, kill him? <laughs> like he like grabs his wait. baby. The master of the rebels despises us all for vagrants and peddlers of bombast. But my father, James Burbage, had the first license to make a company of players from Her Majesty. Mm. And he drew from poets the literature of the age. Go. We must show them that we are men of parts. Will Shakespeare has a play. I have a theater. The curtain is yours. <gasps> he, this dude, he's the competition. He's saying, I want to see your play so bad that you can use my theater. Because is Shakespeare that good? Yes, <laughs> right? We'll even get the competition to fall away because of how, you know, valuable and powerful this is. So cool. Well, well he wants to go see Gwyneth, right? Go get his girl. See if maybe he can convince her. But Gwyneth is putting on her white dress because it's her big day, right? She's so excited to get married, right? Does she get to marry Will? He's probably already married, right? Does he get to be with her? ship is moored at Bankside, bound for Virginia on the afternoon tide. <laughs> Please do not weep, Lady De Lesseps, you're gaining a colony. <laughs> and you, my lord, are gaining 5,000 pounds. That's a lot of money. Do you oblige me with 50 or so in gold just to set my accounts to Doxo? That's probably like 500 grand in cash. Ah, the price. Ah. Good morning, my lord. <laughs> I see you are. Open for business, so let's to church. <laughs> yeah, go girl. <laughs> right. Go, Shakespeare. Come on, go get her. Right? Go, 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 go. Is that gonna happen? Come on. No way. Good thing you didn't get run over, right? It doesn't all work out in the end, does it? No. Not always. Yeah, she gets married. To chump face, right? Where would she rather be though? Come on, where does she want to go? Oh, it's happening? 
Look, the nurse is in on it. Look at her little acting. Let go, go, Gwyneth, go! Right? Yeah! Yeah, right. Like they're gonna go to Virginia. <laughs> Whatever. Ah, uh, where's his wife? Yeah, go, go, go! Who went to see Shakespeare? Come on, who wanted to go? They all wanted to go. It's awesome. Life theater. Who here has been to a midnight showing of a movie that they've been waiting for? Anybody? Live, right? We want to go see the new one that's out and we want to go and we pack it out and we'll wait in line. They were doing that back then. Shakespeare's Theater, like I said, 3,000 people would pack in there. Just like Academy Theater. Behind the stage, we're getting ready, right? But his girl just got married. There's the sophomore boy who's gonna play Juliet, right? Sam. But everybody's going in there. You can pay your penny and lean on the stage, right? You'd be that close. There's the Puritan. I like it. They just push him in. <laughs> so great. There's the nurse, which that's kind of funny, right? Like, whatever. Oh, the dude with the stutter. Two households. We're lost. <laughs> no, it won't turn out well. Oh. I don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Some of you know what this is like, right? <laughs> Live, on stage, hundreds of people. You guys remember this? Indignity. Right? In so fair good. Verona, where we lay our seat. <laughs> From ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of startless lovers take their life. Whose misadventure piteous overthrows, doth with their death bury their parents' strife. Yes! Go, Gwyneth! Come on, go! It's starting!
His voice dropped. <laughs> no. Do me a line. Posting is such sweet sorrow. I'm not a problem. What are we doing? The show must. You know. Go on. Nice. Juliet does not come on for 20 pages. It will be all right. How will it? I don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> oh, poor Sam. As I pass by, let them take it as they Ooh, thumb biting. Uh oh. How do you bite my thumb, sir? Can you bite your thumb? Excuse me. Can we talk? We have no Juliet. No Juliet? No Juliet? It'll be all right, madam. What happened to Sam? Who are you? Do you know it? Does, does she know the lines? Yeah, let's go. All right. <laughs> oh, here comes Hubby. Can he shut it down? Well, go along. No such sight to be shown. But the rejoicing splendor of my own. Yes? Where's my fault? All my fault. Now that I need an head at 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> What I mean, that's kind of funny with those guys, right? Where's this girl? What love? What lady love? What Julia? Who calls? We'll all be put in a clique. Say you in jail. <laughs> Come on, though. You want Sam or Gwyneth, right? Your mother. Madam, I am here. Yes. What is your will? This is the matter. Uh, Nurse, give me so a while. We must talk in secret. Nurse, come back again. I have remembered me at last here, our council. Thou knowest my daughter's of a pretty age. Hmm. Hey, I know her age unto an hour. I'm not oh, Just like Academy Theatre, right? Fallen in love behind stage. There you go. <laughs> you think I'm joking, right? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so good. Right, there we got Juliet, right? Ah, oh, there it is. There we go. Tell me, daughter Juliet, how stands your dispositions to be married? Ah. Oh. It is an honor that I dream not of. I mean, I got married four hours ago, but... <laughs> the layers in the movie are so good. Oh, 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 no! Oh, uh, yeah. Murder in the streets. Courage, man. The hurt will not be much. Oh, ask me tomorrow. You should find me a grave, man. Oh no, the police are coming!
wife's cousin. Academy Theater. What happens behind the curtains? Ah, but look at that, right? She's married. Off to Virginia, right? He's probably married too already. If you be married, my grave is like to be in my wedding bed. Or maybe not. Oh, oh, nice switch there. Smooth, they're on stage, right? Smooching. Art thou gone so love, Lord, thy husband friend. <gasps> One of my favorite lines in all of Shakespeare. What did she just call him? Husband friend. Wouldn't that be nice? You get to marry your best friend, wake up together, fall asleep in each other's arms, eat together, live together, enjoy life together because you're best friends. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, interestingly, 400 years later, you at least get to choose that if you want to. Although, how are we doing in marriage in our culture? <laughs> But when it goes well, some of you get to go home to a mom and dad who are best friends. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. It might be one of the coolest things, actually. It's pretty rare. But it was like hardly ever back then. Shakespeare's like, can we at least, can I at least have husband friend? Wouldn't that be so cool? Hmm. I must hear from thee every day in the hour. For in a minute there are many days. Oh, by this count I shall be much in years ere again I behold my Romeo. Farewell. Oh, thinkst thou we shall ever meet again? Look at the layers there. Methinks I see thee now, thou art so low as one dead at the bottom of a tomb. Hmm. Either my eyesight Fails, for thou lookest pale. Trust me, love. My eyes so do you. Try sort of drinks our blood. Adieu. Adieu, that's French for goodbye. Goodbye forever. Take thou this vial, being then in bed, mm. and this distilling liquor drink thou off. No warmth, no breath shall testify thou livest. And in this borrowed likeness of shrunk death, thou Ooh. shalt So we're going to have a death, and a resurrection, and a new life? That's like the gospel! <laughs> oh, but what about this, though? I made a man. I see that thou art poor. Oh, there is forty ducats. Let me have a dram of poison. Such mortal drugs I have. But man, you Poison. Drugs. It's so intriguing. What's the poison in this play? The poison. Two teenagers end up dead. Families killing each other. 
culture destroyed? What's the poison? I mean, you can figure out what the poison. No, no, what's the poison in our culture right now, in your family, at this school? What are the drugs? I mean, you mentioned drugs now twice. What are the drugs that are killing us? They're illegal. Art thou psychopathy, but not my will consents. I pay thy pocket, but not thy will. Oh, here come the police. Eyes look your last. Arms take your last embrace. And lips. Oh, you. The doors of breath. With a righteous kiss, a dateless bargain to engrossing death. Come, bitter combat, come, unsavory guy, thou desperate pilot. Now at once, run on the dashing rocks, thy seasick, weary bark. Here's to my love. rather be dead if I can't be married to the one I love. That's what it is. Huh. I die. <laughs> Look at the Puritan. My lord, I do remember well where I should be, and there I am. Where is my Romeo? What's this? Cut closed in my true love's hand. Poison, I see, has been his timeless end. Mm. <laughs> oh, happy dagger! This is thy sheath. Eros, let me die. Although I wonder, how does she actually feel being married to Chumpface and dragged off to Virginia? Right? A glooming peace this morning with it brings. The sun for sorrow will not show his head. Hmm. Go hence. Have more talk of these sad things. Some shall be pardoned, and some punished. For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. Has anybody ever been in a movie or a theater show where you kind of forget that it's a movie and uh, yeah, you're like, you're so in the story? Yeah. They're like, oh, that's right. For 
Did they like it? Come on, did they like it? Oh, you guys, this plane's been running continuously for 400 years all over the planet. Look at the Puritan, he's like, yeah, <laughs> right? Let's go, I loved it. It's amazing, right? And by the way, how does that feel? So good. Oh, oh, hey, ho! Oh. is like, what? <laughs> a woman? You're in that goat? Oh. I'll see you all in drink. In the name of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. Mr. Tilly. Yes, who's there? Go, Queenie. <laughs> yeah, baby. Have a care with my name. You will wear it out. And yes, that's her hair. <laughs> so awesome, <laughs> right? Don't mess with the queen. exhibitions of public lewdness. So something is out of joint. Hmm. Come here, Master Kent. Mr. Kent, right? So come here, Mr. Kent. Don't curtsy, because you're a what? You're a guy, right? Oh, that's right, I'm a guy. Yes, the illusion is remarkable. Yes. And your error, Mr. Tilney, is easily forgiven. <laughs> but I know something of a woman in a man's profession. Yes, by God, I do know about that. Go, Queenie. That is enough from you, Master right. Kent. Mr. Kent, right? Ooh. What the Queen says goes, right? If only Lord Wessex were here. He is, Mum. You hear him? He called her Mum, right? Your Majesty. There was a wager, I remember, as to whether a play could show the very truth and nature of love. <gasps> yeah. I think you lost it today. Huh? Shakespeare won. You are an eager boy. Did you like the play? I liked it when she stabbed herself, Your Majesty. <laughs> I know. Hmm. Hmm. Shakespeare. She moves like a chess piece. I love it. <laughs> Next time you come to Greenwich, come as yourself. 
Maybe we'll speak some more. Yes, that more plays, right? Hmm. Your Majesty. Hmm. Why, Lord Wessex? Lost your wife so soon? Indeed, I am a bride, short. And my ship sails for the new world on the evening tide. How is this to end? Hmm. As stories must when love's denied. Hmm. With tears and a journey. Those whom God has joined in marriage, not even I can put asunder. Wow. Master Kent. Lord Wessex, as I foretold, has lost his wife at the playhouse. Mm. Go make your farewell and send her out. Mm. It's time to settle accounts. Mm. How much was that wager? Mm. Fifty shillings. Pounds. <laughs> Give it to Master Kent. He will see it rightfully home. Ooh, that is a lot of money. <laughs> 50 pounds 400 years ago. Ooh, baby. Tell Master Shakespeare something more cheerful next time. The Twelfth Night. <gasps> grab it! Come on, seriously, grab it. Here we go. They said he wrote it in two weeks. Just cranked it out, right? Look at her, I love it. She cracks me up. Go, girl power. <laughs> Too late. Too late. <laughs> She's so awesome. Oh, here it is. Mm. Yep, right. Come on, right here. Here it is. Here we go. What could have inspired this? I wonder. The Queen commands a comedy. Now. Okay, here we go. The Twelfth Night. A comedy. What would my hero be? The saddest wretch in all the kingdom, sick with love. Right? It's a beginning. Let him be a duke. And your heroine. Sold in marriage. Ah. And halfway to America. Nice. Let's see then. A voyage to a new world. A storm. <gasps> All are lost. Uh oh. She lands on a vast and empty shore. She's brought to the Duke. Orsino. 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 
But no. It's good. But fearful of her virtue. Of course. She comes to him dressed as a boy. Ah. And thus is unable to declare her love. Ah. But all ends well. Of course. How does it? I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. <laughs> you got to write it. <laughs> Go to page 89. You'll see he even writes the first line of her washed up on shore. Oh, smooches. Write me well. <laughs> nice. Get a letter from Will Shakespeare. <laughs> a sonnet. Oh, and she's gone. Right? Did it all just work out perfectly? Okay, so 400 years ago, whoever it was, somebody dipped a quill pen in the inkwell and did what? Wrote this play. How cool is that? It's sitting in our hands now. All these years later across the ocean. My story starts at sea. Yeah. A perilous voyage to an unknown land. Mm. A shipwreck. <gasps> the wild waters roar and heave. The brave vessel is dashed all to pieces. would that be like? <laughs> no cell phones? <laughs> like, just wash up on a beach? For she will be my heroine for all time. And her name will be Viola. What country, friends, is this, right? Oh, she's awesome. She's powerful and strong and witty and clever. She's a survivor. She dresses up as a guy and does all the stuff the guys do and maybe better, right? She's fun. Look at her go. Like, come on, right? This is Twelfth Night. Shipwreck. She washes up on shore and survives and thrives, right? And there we go. Let's give it up for Shakespeare in Love. Come on. There we go. Now, we do have a few more minutes left in class. All right, so I'm going to kind of take us up to the bell here a little bit. There we go. Well, thanks for listening and following along. Now, does anybody have any questions just even about the movie that we watched? Or do you need to? Yeah, do what you got to do, right? Anybody have any questions just watching it? Okay, kind of fun, right? I love how they did Romeo and Juliet and wove it all in, did that together. 
And yeah, we don't know what inspired Romeo and Juliet. We don't know what inspired Twelfth Night, but something did, and someone wrote it, and here it is, right? Kind of fun. Okay? So, as we move forward, these first couple days of class, we're trying to get it rolling, get used to doing this in a pandemic, right? And figuring out all the technology, and you know, figuring out a little bit about how we're gonna keep it a safe, loving environment, and then a little taste of the Renaissance, and now we're in the 12th night, okay? So, what I want you to do is read the packet, It'll give you some of the characters, a little bit of a summary. It doesn't give away the ending. You're welcome, right? Um, it gives you a, a couple of things on comedy and just acting and that kind of stuff. So read the packet for Monday. With Twelfth Night, I want you to start reading Act 1, Scene 1. Get to know the characters a little bit. I'd like you to keep reading, but at least start the play. Does that make sense? So at least start it, if you haven't yet. Okay, so do that. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. And uh, what I want you to do is grab this. This is the sheet uh, themes in Twelfth Night. Okay, so while you pull that out and read through it, let me see if I can pull it up here on the screen. And is it up here? It's not up here. I don't think it's up here. So file, recent, major themes, and here it comes, boom. All right, so some major themes in Twelfth Night. What you're gonna be doing during the reading of this play is by the end of next week, you will have a theme. You will follow that theme and highlight and underline anytime you see the word or a scene or a line connected with that theme, and it'll help you trace and follow and see what Shakespeare does with that theme, okay? I chose seven. If you have one that you wanna pick, that's great. Let me know next week. It's kinda gonna be first come, first serve on Monday. We're gonna try and pick this. If not Monday, we'll do it Wednesday, but I want us to jump in so you can start focusing on something. Let's highlight a few things here. Definitely in Twelfth Night, you're gonna get the theme of love. Yeah. Yeah, of course. With the theme of love, you're going to get madness, though, as well, or love sickness. Okay, and what does that mean? But behind that, you're going to get the concept of jealousy and marriages. There's three marriages in this play. Okay, not everybody who wants to be married gets married. So what is that like? And then there's people who choose to not get married because they don't want to. Right. So we'll talk about those different things. In regards to love, though, it's also going to be the spectrum of love. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a wide spectrum on what is love between men and women and men and men and women and women and all of that, right? Let alone between humans and God. Next, communication is another theme. Effective communication, miscommunication, misunderstanding, understanding, and all the consequences around that. I have found in my years that if you can communicate, you can have a relationship that lasts. <laughs> and if you can't, the relationships usually fall apart, particularly in marriages. The marriages that have good, healthy communication can handle pretty much anything. Yeah? The ones that don't can't handle very much, <laughs> which is really intriguing. It almost all boils down 
to communication. Because if you can talk about it, you can usually navigate it. Okay? Illusion versus reality. I did not change the handout, but look what's been on the handout for 20 years. Masks. <laughs> How intriguing, right? That we get to study masks with masks on. Right? But disguises and deception. She dresses up as a guy. What does that mean? What are the implications of that? But who else has a mask on? Is someone pretending to be sad so they don't have to deal with people? Is someone have the mask of drunkenness? Is Festy really the fool? Is he really foolish as a fool? What are the masks that we're all wearing? Because all the world's a stage. Then we've got this other one, foolishness and wisdom. I'll call that group the drunken fools, right? Because there's drunken fools in this play. But what is foolishness and drunkenness? What does that do to love? or to our relationships? What does ignorance do? What is, how is that related to prisons and freedom and madness and all that kind of stuff, right? Powerful theme in this play. Serving and arrogance, pride and humility. Where do we see serving? Real serving. Where do we see pride? Pride destroys love, period. It destroys it steps on it and squishes it. Serving might be love, right? right? So how are those all related? Especially when one of the characters is a servant and sucks at it, right? And how does that affect him and his relationships? This next one, identity, masculinity, and femininity, right? Like I, I live in an anemone. How intriguing to have masculinity and femininity versus our identity in Christ and what is identity. One of my cousins went to a school, and I won't give you the real name, but Mr. Smith taught English in the spring, and the same person came back as Miss Smith in the fall. Because Mr. Smith got new genitalia and now is a girl. Is that how it works? You just change your sex organs and now you change your gender? Is that what it is? Or not? Yeah? I mean, we gotta talk about this stuff. I mean, Viola puts on guy clothes. So now is she a guy? So you have to do the clothes and the genitalia? And then that does it? Is that what does it or not? We're all like, oh my gosh, you said genitalia 20 minutes before lunch. Holy cow, <laughs> we're just getting started, by the way. But I want to challenge you, like, what does it mean to be a man or a woman? What does it mean to be made in the image of God, male and female? Can you just change that however you want to, if you want to, or not? Shakespeare brings all that up on stage, and that's not some new thing that we're trying to navigate. That's been around for a long time all the way back to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Look at that, <laughs> right? And then this last one is family. How intriguing, we get to study family. Family is in every Shakespeare play, and we're all dealing with it because we're all what? Connected to a family on some level. But what makes a healthy family? What is a family? What does it mean to be in a family or in God's family? Or can you make new families? Or how do you define family? That comes up in this play a whole bunch. Disney gets it. If your target audience is small children and you want to create tension in their world, what do you do in the first 10 minutes of a Disney movie? 
Hey, I have some traumatic family situation with a mom or a dad, but usually mom, dad, Nemo, right? Like, are we tracking? Yeah, because it creates so much tension when you lose mom, right? How about if you lose both of them, <gasps> right? Yeah, family's a big deal. This play starts with two dead dads, two dead moms, and two dead brothers. Holy cow, Shakespeare, like, whoa, back off, right? But it's so intriguing to have broken families or dead relatives. How does that affect us? Actually, right now, in our culture, family, right? What does that mean? What happens during a pandemic? And some of you are so glad to not have to be at home right now. Some of you are actually kind of missing it. It was really fun to be hanging out with your family, right? Some of you haven't seen your family in over a year. <laughs> it's a big deal. All right, so these are the themes. I'm gonna have you pick one, and there's enough of us so that it'll create little groups. Does that make sense? And then you get to kind of follow it together as a group. They can't all have the same one. And they, like I said, if there's something that you're noticing as you're reading the opening lines and opening pages of this play, you're like, ooh, what about this, Mr. D? Or, or you read the packet and you're like, ooh, I want to follow comedy or whatever. I don't know, humor. There's so many things you can follow, all right? But we've got to pick something, and then that's going to be kind of our focus. And it sets you up well for a paper later as well. Questions, thoughts, concerns, comment, criticism, witticism? We know what we're doing? Cool, hopefully you got a nice taste of Elizabethan England. And if there's anything you're interested in, go learn more about it, okay? So you got your themes, you got your historical context, you've got a summary, you've got your play. Let's get this thing going, let's get it rolling. Thanks for listening today, nice job this week. You guys are awesome.